as I wrote in, in the email, but maybe a bit different description. I'm 31 now and like half of my, literally half of my uh, life, I'm gambling addicted. I'm fresh after uh, getting back to the problem. Uh, after one and a half, most uh, more than one and a half uh, year of being sober. And I'm trying to find answers, not how or what to do. I'm just trying to find some answers of why. Why am I coming back to the to these habits that are bringing me to the addiction? I'm not. I'm trying to uh, divide the addiction problem and the problem that that brought me to the point where I'm lonely in my whole life and the only persons that I can uh, count on are the persons that also hurt me a lot which is my parents and my fiance which is ex-fiance because of what I did and what what I'm addicted to and what well I'm unsustainable in in what I'm doing and I need to find some other views on on, on the thing I'm I'm going to the therapy as well that's for sure but it will take time I know that usually therapist takes like uh, up to two years at least. What, a, what else can I say? Um, well, why don't so I, I've not, uh, I mean, I, usually everybody knows someone who's drunk too much or whatever, right? But I'm not super familiar with the gambling addiction. Can you just sort of tell me, like, maybe we can start with what happened with your fiance and why she's your ex-fiance? Oh, because uh, after... One and a half year, I came back to it. You know, I uh, actually. Like, oh, no, no, no. I, I understand. I understand. It's because of the gambling, but how does the gambling manifest, and how does it? Uh, why is it showing up as so destructive for your fiance? Because it's not just the gambling. Like, uh, if you've been around uh, alcohol addicts, and I mean the, the character of those addicts, like this, that they are not drinking for a year or two or three. But when they start from the very first bottle or uh, or glass, they don't stop. And uh, my manner with 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 the, with the gambling, you know, uh, it's something similar. Uh, I'm addicted to uh, sports uh, betting. Only that I have never even tried any other uh, gambling in my life. So, like you're not uh, a casino life form. No. No, no, no! I have never been there. Uh, never touched it, and never, never. I have never even touched a, any kind of a machine uh, with with gambling. No, nothing like that. But it doesn't make me better or worse. It just, I, I just wanted to show you the the uh, light on my on my problem. So, uh, I'm bet I'm sports betting, uh, and since I started the first therapies, and it was maybe around five years ago, uh, my addiction went different. I, I was able to uh, manage to stay sober for, for a year. Uh, but during that year, I wasn't able to, uh, to find myself in, in life, in a way. Since I was 15, uh, I left my uh, parenthood uh, village, let's say so and went to uh, football high school in uh, one of the biggest cities in Poland. Uh, and since that, I'm, I'm addicted, let's be honest. It was, uh, it was common uh, in, that, in that society to, to just put some bets, but nobody has uh, something like this that was going all in 
with whatever was doing, you know, like like they, they were gambling for I don't know 50 cents or or, or something, and I, and I could uh, make 10 times more or or even more, and it never scared me. It never it never it was never a problem for me to uh, to play all in, and I um, I guess whole my life it's it's like this that I'm I'm just all in whatever I'm doing. Which is and awesome. how did you how did you first you say you don't touch machines so you is it by phone or or you have a bookie that you gamble with how does that work? Uh, no, nowadays it's the easiest way is through internet. Uh, you're opening the accounts at some bookie uh, company, and well, basically it's it's even worse than if you go to the casino because you have to. Get out of your bed to do it. You know, if you uh, if it's only the laptop or or the or the phone that you have to uh, grab, it's there's not enough time sometimes to stop to, to have those uh, negative uh, thoughts. Uh, and I don't have them. Uh, or, I mean, I'm at the moment I stopped. Uh, I lost what I had to lo- uh, to lose uh, to stop myself. I don't have the money to play. I don't have uh, that feeling that I have to, but the damage in my life is such, such a huge thing. Uh, and I you love- say, sorry, the the damage is mostly emotional rather than financial. In other words, you become like a different person, like a a meaner person, a more selfish person, a more impatient or bad tempered person. Is it mostly emotional damage, or is it just losing all the money? I think it's both, but. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I have any hobby at the moment, and that's absolutely due to uh, the gambling addiction. It drank all of the energy and or focus that I could uh, invest in anything uh, to develop any hobby. It used to be sports, and because it, I I don't mean that you know it was only the sport that uh, that it was all about gambling. No, I went uh, to this other school, high school. Uh, to the best football high school in in Poland, uh, and my plan, my dream was to become a professional sportsman. I wasn't good enough. Okay, I, I get it. Uh, but it was still uh, like the most important part of my life, or at least hobby, uh, something that was interesting for me. But I had during the uh, during my life, and also with the therapy, I uh, I was forced to turn it off in a way, um, because uh, all the therapists, all the people around told me that that's not really health and that's not safe to be close to the environment that that is so uh, connected. Oh, so you, you had to leave the whole sports world because of the gambling addiction? Yes, yes, yes. I right, okay. So, okay, let's, I appreciate that, that overview. Let's get to the source. Let's tap the root. And if you can tell me about your childhood, that would, I think, be a good place to start. Uh, I'm a single child. Um, my parents didn't have the great relationship. Uh, and it's all about, uh, not their childhood, but their, their history together. Like, I don't really understand how, uh, how bad relations, uh, could have been when they got together, um, uh, at the age of 22, 21, 
that there was a huge competition between um, brothers or no, not even brothers because my dad my dad is a, a twin uh, and it was not even about him and his brother but about two uh, wives which basically uh, end up at my mom uh, being uh, damaged in a way. I, uh, I'm hearing that from many, many, many years that she uh, was not accepted in my dad's family. And that's like the story going on and on and on for all my life, uh, bringing the new uh, nerves and new uh, conflicts into into our uh, our family. So I'm a single child, and I was into that for most of my life. Because uh, that was a part of it. I even had to be like the arbitrary for 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 them fighting each other. Uh, but when it comes to uh, raising, sorry, me, what did I'd... they uh, what did they fight about? Uh, my mom was uh, always complaining about being unfairly uh, treated by the uh, by my mom, uh, but by my dad's uh, parents, but my, by my dad's whole family. She said that she didn't have a uh, very warm welcome, that she was uh, treated unfair. I'm losing a bit words. Uh, how to say it in English? I'm sorry. Uh, sometimes I'm okay. So she words. she complained about. she complained about her mother of the women in her family treating her badly? Uh, in in my dad's family. So oh, your dad's family. When, okay. So her mother-in-law so, was treating her badly. She'd complained about that to your dad, and then they would fight about that. Like your dad would say, "Don't be silly. You're not being treated badly," or something like. That. Uh, you were just telling me about. Your, your childhood, and the issue was that your mother was complaining about her mother-in-law, your dad's mom, and that she was being mistreated, is that right? Yes, and the whole family from that side. So basically, even though the family was huge, like my dad had uh, eight siblings, they were lonely as well. They were like on the sides of all the uh, events in the in the family, you know, they, they didn't have the uh nobody's back uh, when it was uh, getting about i don't know having uh taking care of me when i was sick and they had to go to work or something they they really were alone uh when it comes to this and it and it became a huge problem for my mom so my mom grew up huge uh pain uh for all her life about this and on that she built up all the other conflicts so, um, um, sorry. What did your What did your father say when your mom would complain about being mistreated? Uh, he uh, he had to uh, accept that, but he said that. But look at what I look at me. What I did. I back up you. I was with you. I supported you. I chose you. I don't. I don't follow that. If you could explain that a little more. Um. He uh, he couldn't uh, help uh, his family look any any better in that situation. Uh, so he uh, he was trying to uh, calm down my mom with uh, with not uh, getting team up teaming up you know with with uh, with all accusation on the on the history. But he was uh, he was trying 
trying to show himself and where he was, where he was standing. He was standing for uh, choosing my mom as as a future wife and uh, doing the best to uh, to make it happen, doing the best to uh, provide to, to the family. Uh, and they, they made it. They started from a very poor uh, point and, uh, and they became quite rich in a way. Now, Just because did, of sorry, did, uh, do, do you know any of the specific issues that your mom was complaining about? Did you, do you have any memory or did you ever find out since what kind of bad behavior she felt mistreated by? Yes. Uh, for example, uh, my uh, my uncle' uh, wife, which who was the the biggest like uh, enemy of, of my mom, uh, she got uh, way more supported. But when you mean about some example, uh, my dad was told by the parents uh, to go uh, to work on uh, their house not his parents' house, but the enemy uh, future house. I don't know if you follow who's the enemy. <laughs> uh, it was the, the other wife, not my mom. Uh, when I was sick, so I didn't, uh, and I was a kid, so uh, there was nobody to take care of me at the time. Uh, and nobody cared about this because it was uh, other uh, kids uh other uh, wife project that was the most important they had to uh, shine in the small society with the uh, with the new house uh, and my parents as the poorer ones as the ones that were on the side uh, they were left uh, at the end of the uh, how do you call it order let's say yeah they were just left behind at the end they were not important in in what family should do to uh, to develop i'm sorry i'm i'm really not following that so there was a house issue and your father was involved in the construction and they were mistreated. everyone was involved it was the the times that uh, in poland at least now it's not like that anymore but uh, it used to be like this that uh, in a small countryside uh, people were building it owned by by their hands, you know, not it, it wasn't the companies, it wasn't the construction. Okay, I'm uh, sorry, maybe it's a language thing. What specifically was your mother upset about, if you remember? I mean, something about a house, like, was she, did she feel disrespected? Was she lied to? Was she insulted? Was she, like, what specifically occurred uh, that you can recall that your mom was upset about? Uh, my mom was upset that uh, her enemy... I don't know if you follow who's the enemy, uh, which means uh, my uh, dad's twin wife was going to get everything, every help, every uh, action from the family, and my parents were not. Uh, when I was sick at home, me as a uh, as a kid, uh, and my dad was there to take care of me, just just be in home with me for a couple of hours, they still uh, didn't care about this and asked him to go to work on the new house for this enemy uh, family. Did you follow that? Yeah, okay, I, I understand. It 
it doesn't sound too terrible. I mean, some people can be selfish and say, come work on the house even when your kid's sick. But did she herself feel personally insulted? I'm trying to sort of figure out what happened with, in your maybe, childhood that made your mom so angry. I was just trying to give you some stupid example that I can, that, you know, I was I was two or three years old at the moment. I was just trying to give you any example. But when I grew up, I, I already knew that when I was going to the grandmother, uh, it was just me that I was going to visit her. Uh, my parents were leaving me at the front of the gate and I was going to visit her. So Oh, so they wouldn't even, that, that's how bad the family split got, that they wouldn't even go and see the... Grandmother? Yes. Okay. Yes. For, for many, many years, it was like that. So what happened with your parents' marriage that, that they ended up splitting up? It sounds like they, you they, know, cut, they cut off the toxic family as they saw it. So what happened in your parents' marriage that they got, they got so bad? Uh, they, uh, well, uh, I, they, you know, they didn't split up. They are still together, but uh, they are fighting. Uh, and they both uh, want different uh, things from their life. But um, when I'm thinking about it now, I'm, I just think that my mom is, is really sick when it comes to uh, getting uh, some bad heritage, some, 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 some huge uh, pain inside of her and growing it up instead of trying to figure it out how to, how to live with it. So uh, my dad would like to develop. My, my dad is a hardworking uh, man. He, uh, he really uh, succeed. Uh, when it comes to uh, provide to, to the family. Uh, they were starting from a very, very poor uh, level when it comes to uh, what they had. And that okay, so, and, and, sorry, and, and how, you mentioned that a number of times that they're, they made money, good, good for them. Now, when it came to you as a kid, your parents came from bigger families and you were an only child. Do you know why you were an only child, why they didn't have more? At the beginning, it was about the, the financial stuff, and when they figured out that it would be nice actually to not have a single child because uh, there are problems with a single child, uh, it was too late for them. Uh, some health issues, I don't know exactly what was it. Oh, they, like they, some fertility they, issues? They were trying, but they couldn't, and it was too late. Like, you know, uh, their uh, waiting time was way too long. Okay, all right. And when you were Even raised, they had me really, uh, really young. I was I was born when they were twenty to twenty one, which means you know it, it shouldn't be like that. But yeah. Wait, so you were born in their early twenties, and they were still yeah. trying to have kids like twenty years later? Uh, ten, ten years later, and uh, there was some health issue that it wasn't like like today. I guess that if you really have that pursuit for a baby, you're doing everything you can. Uh, I guess they they were trying, they didn't succeed, and uh, just by some uh, doctor analysis, you know, you you will have a problem. Okay, oh, okay, we that's not for us then. I, I guess that was the that was the case in the. Okay, uh, so I mean, I'm the parent of a single child, so when you have a single child, you have to work a lot harder to socialize with that single child and because they don't have another child to play with in the household so you have to kind of get down on the carpet and and play and and all of that so given that you were a single child did your parents put a lot of effort into uh, playing with you and connecting with you mm, when i was a kid yes 
Yes. Uh, I told about this story, like my dad uh, used to take care of me, but it was just accidentally. Usually it was my mom. And I went to the preschool way uh, later than the kids from the community. And uh, well, yeah, she was taking a lot of care, uh, care of me a lot, really. And also she's accusing me about this now that she gave me so much of her love, gave me so much of her uh, care. But that's like until I was six or seven. Then my mom also... Sorry, what is she accusing you of now? Uh, that I'm not appreciating that. Oh, I, I gave you the best years of my life and you don't come by or you don't call as much as I want. Maybe that not the of. best years of her life because she never, she never used the, that phrase. Best years of my life. Never. I have never heard. Yeah, but I'm like not that. trying to replicate everything she says, <laughs> but just something like that. Uh, no, it's, it's mostly comparing to others. So the other kids were uh, running uh, on a village, dirty, uh, hungry or something, and I gave you so much care and love. That's that's the phrase that sh that she's using, and I'm not appreciating that. I I just cannot, you know. I, I think this is something unfair, unfair or or stupid to actually. Uh, expect kids to remember that stuff when I was five or, or six, but that's what she's doing anytime. Has she acknowledged that fighting all the time with your father was upsetting to you? <sighs> yes, so, but uh, I think she's uh, she have uh, some health issues as well. I'm mental health issues as well so she's in a depression i'm she has never made it to to go to the doctor but i, I guess you know the first uh, visit she would have that diagnosed okay sorry i'm gonna have to repeat did, did she, has she acknowledged that fighting all the time with your father was bad for you i think so yes um, well it's it's obvious but uh, but she's still doing it right yes Okay, so she hasn't changed that behavior. She hasn't said, well, gee, you know, fighting is pretty unpleasant to be around, so if I want you to be around more, I should fight less. Yes. yes. Um, so she hasn't uh, done anything like that in practical terms, it, right? It hasn't changed. Okay. Right. Um, during uh, years, uh, I became uh, the alter... Uh, I don't know how to say it... Uh, the, the problem, the reason, the reason of their fight, you know, my mom uh, stopped saying about the history. She started saying about what, what's, uh, what happened with me, how different she wanted me to grow up, how different she wanted me to, to be raised than my dad. So they're blaming you for their conflicts now? Uh, yes, many, many times. Okay. Now, how were you disciplined as a kid when you did things your parents didn't want you to do or that sort of stuff? Mm, it was usually being grounded or uh, taking uh, uh, or blocking me the computer uh, possibilities or, well, the uh, physical abuse. That was the really last, last, last part that could have happened. It wasn't so often. I have to say that it happened, but, you know, it was very uh, rare. And how would the uh, physical discipline, how would that work? What would they do? 
uh, eating with a belt, but uh, that's maximum. Nothing more happened, never, to be honest. So don't, uh, I, I wouldn't say that I have a huge uh, problem with that when it comes to uh, my childhood. And how did life go for you in your teenage years? I was always the best in school. Um, everything there went very easy for me. And I felt like uh, also unappreciated uh, with my um, results, to be honest. Uh, they always wanted me to, to do better. So, you know, getting... Uh, we have the scores one to six, six the best. Uh, five was not enough, you know. Why didn't you bring six? Uh, yeah, but uh, I was I was doing really great in school. It was very easy until I went to this uh, football high school. Uh, what changes a lot in my in my life, and uh, and that started when I was fifteen. So I know should I say before fifteen or or it's when I went there? Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Uh, until 15, I was uh, very social. I was always like uh, leader or the of the class community in school. Uh, same as I said, uh, really great scores and uh, and a part of the social life. I was always popular. I didn't have then that that problem at all uh, of being lonely or being on the side. Anyway. And when I went to the, this football high school in another city, uh, then I, I don't want to say I, I was shocked, but uh, it was a different uh, story because that, it was a mix of uh, people from all, the country, uh, all over the country. Uh, so uh, it was a way harder uh, experience. Uh, I wasn't such a star as as uh, in my uh, parenthood uh, countryside so uh, but I made it uh, by being uh, I guess good friends uh, I grew some relations uh, I was also doing good in school but I started to gamble as 12 and sorry you said at 12 uh, at 15, 15. At 15, okay, got it. And 15, what, so was, uh, what was, was there someone who introduced you to it or did you find it on your own or, or how did that go? I think I found it on my own before I went there uh, and asked my dad if I can try. And then, so, but I could play like for, I don't know, 12 bucks uh, and uh, win, uh, double it. And then lose it all. That that was the story, and and then I, I forgot about it for uh, half a year or something. Uh, so it actually. Sorry, what did you, you know, when your dad said at the age of fifteen, you said to your dad, "Can I gamble online for money?" And he said, "Go ahead." Did he sit with you? Did he explain it to you? Did he supervise you? Did he show you the math? I mean, how did that how did that go when you said to your, to your dad, "I want to do this." No, it was actually that. Yeah, let's okay, okay. If you want to, because as when uh, when I was fifteen, I had to use his uh, his data, his his name on it. You know, it's 
it's not possible to, to, to gamble when you're 15, uh, legally in a way. So uh, yeah, he said, okay, okay, if you if you want to try it, if you if you think you know a lot about sport, yeah, you, you can try it. Okay, so I mean, without, was he, was without, he con- hang on, was he was he concerned about the illegality of what you were doing? No, I don't think so. And was he concerned um, that he was sort of participating in a fraud? And again, I'm not saying that the law is the be-all and end-all of abstract morality, but, you know, there's a cost-benefit ratio to this. I mean, you could get into some serious trouble, I think, by enabling child gambling on the Internet and, and so on. So uh, now, and, and did he just basically shrug and let you do it? Did he check in? Did he circle back? Did he tell you about the risks or, or anything like that? No, I don't remember this uh, introducing me to the to the bad side of it. I just know that he was uh, uh, checking me. What am I doing there? Uh, so 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 he knew the balances. He knew uh, what was going on, and um, I guess also he uh, didn't recognize the the danger of it uh, because it was about such a low money. So and and it and it stopped uh, very very soon and uh, there was no uh, any uh, continuity uh, oh, so so at the beginning he gave you some money you made some money you lost some money I guess maybe you went back down to zero and then you stopped and how long did you gamble for when you were 15 uh, it could have been when I was 14 and a half and then when I was 15 I went to this football high school so I guess when uh, I I had this few months with no gambling at all having this small experiment as I said uh, with my dad uh, providing me a uh, legal possibility for that uh, and and then stopped for a few months and when I went to this when I moved to to another city uh, with other uh, friends in school we started to gamble a lot, and that was not online, actually, even. I think we were playing uh, in the bookie uh, shop. But where were you getting the money to do this? Uh, I was getting money for uh, living in another city. We were living in a student house, you know, so, uh, so I was... You, sorry, were you getting the money from your family or from the government? Yes, or? yes, yes, from my parents, from my parents, yes. yes. I was getting uh, money to... Uh, to live during the week. Okay, so you took some of the money from your parents and you gambled, right? Yes, yes. And how did that go financially? Uh, at the beginning, not bad. Uh, at the beginning, uh, I wasn't playing for so much. Uh, I wasn't uh, involved uh, so much when it comes to uh, ta- even time, but energy, uh, stress, and for sure, I had to be for some time on the on the on the plus. Uh, it couldn't be only you know only uh, losses that gave me such an addiction. I remember when I was close to sixteen, maybe uh, that I gambled some uh, some scores pretty well two days in in a row, uh, which gave me a money that I couldn't uh, get for, I don't know, seven weeks maybe. So uh, so that let me uh, go and visit the girl that I met online in another city uh, and have a really wonderful uh, weekend. 
I guess that these good uh, memories, you know, that the the win the wins, that's that's what addicts people. That you have. Well, to of get course. Them. I mean, yeah. There's there's no addiction without a positive thing, right? And then eventually the positive thing just becomes fighting against the withdrawal, right? Like it's like, yay, it's really fun. And then it's like, oh, when I don't do it, I feel terrible. And that's sort of where it comes to, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, and so you, you and your friends would go to a bookie and would you would you gamble on sports or horses or? Sports, sports. It was mostly football. I'm, I'm really connected to football when it comes to what I was doing in my life uh, when I was uh, young and what I was uh, interested about. Uh, yeah, and did sports. your knowledge uh, of football and your, I guess, your experience with football, did, did that help you to win? At the beginning, uh, when there was not so much emotions and uh, addiction, yeah. It stopped. It stopped helping at all, and I, and I stopped using any knowledge. Right. Okay. So then you were just trying. You'd lose money, and you'd feel terrible, and you'd try and win the money back, and you'd lose money, and you'd feel terrible, and you'd try to win. Is it sort of like that? Yes, and it's also that uh, it's not about losing uh, money anymore, but I'm losing. Like you know, uh, if people around me knew that I was losing money, and I promise not to or i promise I, w- I will not do this or i i knew that it it looks bad or terrible uh then it was not only about money it was sometimes about not uh showing it up not uh yeah, you were lying to people in a sense right yes 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 and sorry did i have this right that you went away to high school to another city yes and is that because you needed a more challenging school Yes, and also uh, being a footballer was like a dream. It was very coincidental that I had any chance to get there. Uh, oh, so it was like a football scholarship to this other high school? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I got it, I got it. Now, you were 15 when you went away, is that right? Yes. And how were you supervised in the other city? How, how were you managed? I mean, 15 is pretty young to live alone. Mm, we were in a uh, student's uh, house. Uh, so we had some, not just teachers in school, but also in the student house, which was not connected to the to the school. But you know, uh, there has to be some supervisor all the time. But well, but then, I mean, that, if you know, if there's supervision, how are you doing all this gambling? Oh, they couldn't uh, supervise us so well, or they didn't know exactly what was going on in every single uh, room. In a way, you know, you had to. Uh, get back from the city at at the right time. If you were getting oh, so, out, sorry, sorry to interrupt. You were you were gambling online at this point, right? Uh, yes, but uh, going to the to the bookie was like our our thing. Just just after the school, school, for example. So so you know, I could I could do this afternoon. But uh, hang on, wouldn't wouldn't the bookie notice that you were fifteen years old? They all knew. They all knew, and they ah. Uh, I know, Stefan, you were impressed with Poland uh, when you were here, but uh, that's also some some kind of uh, uh, characteristic that, you know, uh, there is a law and it doesn't mean that all people are following it, you know? Right. So it, it that's not possible. necessarily a huge negative for me in, in some circumstances, but uh, okay, so you and your friends, you'd go to the bookie, you'd book. Now, now you'd, you'd bet. Now, did you end up in a negative, or did you just go to zero? No, I, I definitely end up in, in negative. It was the time that I, I was playing for uh, everything I had, 
just to, uh, to to have that to catch that dream of getting it all back uh, well, but how do you, sorry, when, I don't gamble much, but when I do, you know, if I'm playing blackjack, I have 20 bucks or whatever, and if I lose my 20 bucks, I don't end up negative. So how do you end up negative in this situation? Uh, I was trying, uh, I was starting to get some uh, loans. Oh, you'd borrow to gamble and then you'd lose and then you yes. need to, you try and pay the loans off by gambling more? Uh, for for many uh, for a long time it was like the only solution for me to um, or answer how can I make money because the other option was to work with my dad. Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's what they call a false dichotomy, my friend. I mean, I either gamble or I work with my father. I'm pretty sure there aren't only two ways to make money in Poland, right? Either gambling or working for your particular father, right? There's there's tons of jobs out there, right? Especially for smart people who get fives and sixes out of six, right? Yes, yes, you're right. But I'm, I'm just saying what I was seeing. I'm not <laughs> saying that's true. Um, no, no, come on. But you're a smart kid. You knew that there were jobs, right? I mean, when I was in university or maybe in high school, there were, you know, job opportunities and and people like you go to the mall and they say we're hiring or like there's lots of jobs. I mean, you you would have known that you could have got a job somewhere, right? Uh, but not when I was this 15, 16, and 17, because we had those uh, student house rules that we have to come back at some certain time. So it wasn't so... Oh, so you uh, couldn't get a job because of the student rules? Yes, yes. At the moment, yes, but I don't... Uh, I, I think that's a really, you know, uh, weak explanation because I wouldn't even get that, even if that was possible. Uh, no, I'm, I get that. Saying, and, and But of course, if you were in another city and you weren't allowed to work really then working for your father wouldn't have been an option either, right? Uh, yes, but it would be an option for the weekend. Now, did your... Oh, so you would go home at the weekends and work there. Okay. Now, did your father ever notice that you were out of money or in debt? Uh, they had to. They had to. Uh, let's say that some problems were uh, catching me in the over over the the course of my education in that in that in that city some uh, loans or some debts and i'm not saying loans on the in this, in some companies but some loan uh, some uh, money that i borrowed from from the friend you know uh, if i didn't have how to uh, if, if i didn't have uh, the money to give them back uh, i had to start to uh, either uh, Cheats and and uh, try to manipulate how how and what for do I need more money uh, or uh, actually those uh, informations were going going to my dad. It, I'm sorry, I'm not I, sure what you mean by cheat. Uh, I was well for sure. I was lying about what I need, uh, what money uh, and what for uh, do I need it uh, from my from my parents. I, oh, so sure you, you don't mean why. cheated gambling, you mean lie to your parents about needing money and why? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, got it. Yes. So so you would lie to your parents and you'd say, I need more money, and you'd make up some reason, and then they would send you more money, is that right? Mm, yes, or it wasn't even about sending, but I, was, I had to go there for a weekend, and uh, we had the conversation uh, then. I was. It wasn't about sending uh, back then. Okay, got uh, it, got it. Now, did you... Did your father or your mother ever question why you needed so much more money? Uh, yeah, they they did. They did. I was 
Hmm. Uh, most uh, addicts are, are really good in, at manipulating, I guess. So, so yeah, I was, I was really good. Well, yeah, but you that. can't manipulate math. I mean, you can't manipulate math if, if you need, I don't know, an extra couple of hundred euros or something or whatever was going on at the time. Was it? Would you say, "Oh, I'm throwing a big party," or "I need a tuxedo," or like I don't know? What would you say? Uh, once I said that I was uh, someone stole me something on a, on a street when I was going to make my teeth done, for example. Right. So there was not so much things like that. Or for example, I I, I took uh, money for uh, the best football. Shoes and bots the level down, you know, uh, ones right. that were half the half the price, for example. But that's that's something like that, you know. It it, it wasn't a huge uh, problem when it comes to the finances at that, that age, at that uh, uh, stage of my life. It was most about uh, really starting to manipulate, uh, cheat. Uh, uh, in every relation that was that was around me, right. And did your friends ever sit you down and say, "We think you might have a problem"? No, no. So the teachers never knew. Your parents never really asked. Your friends didn't. Okay, so you understand that at the at the mid teens, like fifteen, sixteen years old, addiction is not primarily your problem. It's primarily a familial and social problem. It's your family and your friends and all of that, right? Who should be. You know, it's it's like, a, it, it, to take a silly example, it's like if a five-year-old is getting fat, we don't sit there and say to the five-year-old, well, you just lack self-discipline. It's like, no, there's something wrong in the household, right? The, the bad food is around, the parents aren't parenting properly. So you ended up going off into this addiction, and there was lots of signs, right? Lots of signs. I mean, you need all this money, and and no one did or said anything, right? Uh, I think at the, at the end of the... Of that school uh, it wasn't the friends that told told me to to get in shape you know to to, to really help me uh, but that was the time then teachers knew that from my friends for example uh, or shouldn't say friends colleagues uh, uh, classmates yeah classmates that's 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 better so nobody really sat with me but I guess all people at the at the end of the school knew, but nobody really was you know close to me and trying to to shake me. In a, in did you did, did, sorry? Did did the teachers know? Did did they have an idea? At, at the end, for sure, yes. And they didn't tell your parents. Uh, I don't know that, uh, but my parents found found out at the at some stage. You know, they they didn't trust me so much, but. Uh, on the other hand, they couldn't let uh, leave me without any money at all. Uh, being abro- not abroad, being in another city. Uh, well, sorry to interrupt, but wasn't it also dangerous to owe money to a bookie? I mean, it, I, I, maybe I've watched too many Martin Scorsese movies, but it seems like owing money to a bookie who's willing to break the law and have a 15-year-old bet, uh, you know, may not be the safest thing in the world. Uh, I guess so. It's not the same. I mean, what, what was the concept? Were you threatened if if you didn't pay? I mean, how did they get you to pay? No, no, but it wasn't. Uh, you know, it, I was never owning someone really dangerous. I was owning, for example, the the, the colleagues. Uh, the, oh, your classmates uh, and someone. 
yeah, yeah. No, it was never really uh, something uh, danger when it comes to the, I don't know, the mafia or no, 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 no nothing like that. Got Absolutely. it, got it. Now, how old were you when your parents found out? Mm, Seventeen or eighteen. And what happened? How did they find out? And what mm-hmm. happened? I uh, I used to work for my dad when. Uh, and that's also something really, uh, really hard now when I'm thinking about this. I used to work with my dad and he was collecting the money that I earned during that time when I was, I don't know, 13, 14, 15. It was all the time that I was working only with him. Uh, and he was writing down the numbers and saying me that that's, you know, that's a nice uh, start when I will be 18 or when I will be smart, then I will get it. So there oh, was so hang on. So, oh gosh. So your father was having you work for him, but he wasn't paying you. He was just saying, I'll pay you like in five years. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So that, do you, do you that understand the relationship also, this has with your gambling? Uh, yes, I, I, I know. I know that. I, I just, I want to tell that to someone and... Uh, that story, you know. Uh, no, the, 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 it's like, it. okay, Dad, you steal from me, I'll steal back. Yeah. If you, you don't respect my property rights, why would I respect your property rights? That was the case for men for a few years. Yes, I was always uh, treated with that with that sentence that you know you will get it. You will get it. You will get it when you're when you're eighteen, oh, for the first car or something. Yeah, so I, when, I remember when when we moved from England. I still remember. I got I got thirty six pounds given to me by friends and relatives to enjoy Canada with. Right, and that's a huge amount of money back then. A crazy amount of money. And I remember my mother took it, and she said, uh, "You know, I will be happy to give it to you in bits and pieces, but you'll you know when you ask for it, right?" And I remember watching her take the money, and I'd be like, she might as well have just set fire to it. Like, I just knew there was no way I'm going to get that money back. Like, that's like that's like giving your money to the government for your retirement. You know, it's just like, okay, bye-bye. Say farewell. It's like, uh, so I just remember that moment where it's like, now, if she'd have said, listen, I appreciate the money. We're moving to a new country. I'm going to need to take this money and use it for uh, living expenses or whatever. Like, okay, I mean, that's that would be upsetting, but I could. But it, it, it's this nonsense about no, no, no. I'm holding it for you and and things like that. It's like no, no, you're not. Like I've never this money's gone, and it was. Of course, I never, I never saw it. And any time I'd need something, she'd say we don't have the money and all that. So I knew she'd just spent it. And and again, it may have been unreasonable things, but uh, the money was supposed to be given to me. So I just remember um, having that sense of a, a state of nature with my mother. Like, okay, you don't respect my property rights, so. I'm not going to respect your property rights. Like, you, you if this is how things are going to be, uh, then I'm not going to have higher standards than you, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. And it's, uh, it's, you know, finally got to the point where uh, really he used that money to, to cover the, uh, my debts that I made. Uh, but I'm just thinking, was it, could that be that I knew that I have some amount of money that I couldn't, use and that was like a excuse for me to go negative with uh, with my uh, bookies you know to, to to go below zero because i knew okay i have that money i just okay so we we can pause here if you want and i can tell you a theory 
Um, and this is not the end of me finding out about your life because we're only in your mid to late teens and you're in your 30s. So, but we'll, we'll pause here for a second. And if that's all right with you, I'll tell you a little bit of a theory about what's going on. Yeah, sure. Right. So a fundamental question every human being has is, how much do people care about me? How much do people care about me? How much do they see me? Do they value me? How much do they love me? Because they say they love me. Uh, they say family is everything. They, we love you. Uh, you're the world to us. So people say all of this stuff, right? And the question is, okay, but how much do people really, uh, really care about me, right? And if you have doubts about these things, then you will put up a test, because especially men, I think, women do it maybe in a different way, but I'm talking about the sort of acting out and addiction. So if you doubt how much people really care about you, then you will act in a manner that is self-destructive, and you'll wait for someone to stop you. Because in life, you really do need to find out how much people really care about you. So my theory could be wrong, obviously. Your, your experience matters way more than my theories. But I think you had questions about how much people in your life actually cared about you. And so you're like, okay, well, um, let's find out. Let's find out if people care about me. I'm going to act in a pretty obviously self-destructive manner, and I'm going to see if anybody gives a shit. Just going to find out. Because men tend to be pretty empirical. We tend to live in a world of deeds and not words. And if we suspect that the deed of love doesn't match the words of love, then we will test the deeds, right? Does, does anyone love me enough to notice, to call me out on my lying, to notice that I'm doing self-destructive things, to know that I'm out of money? Do my, do my friends care about me enough to ask me why I keep needing to borrow money? Do, does my father care about me enough to, oh, you got, you got robbed? My gosh. Let's drive straight to the town and, and file a police report, and right, because we can't let these robbers run around, like really call you out on stuff, right? I remember a friend of mine, when he was a, a little kid, was, he was telling me the story when he was older. He's a, uh, he didn't go to school, right? And in the afternoon, I think he had a test he wanted to bail on. Or, like, this was, he was like in grade, I don't know, grade five or grade six or something. He didn't go to school in the afternoon. And of course, the, the school called his mom. And said, why was this person, why was this kid not in school? So the mom goes, why weren't you in school? He says, oh, I got sick in the playground and I came home. He says, oh, you got sick? And they, yeah, I threw up, right? So she said, okay. I'm like, I'm sorry that happened, um, but I need to make sure that you're telling the truth. So uh, his mother took him to the playground and said, okay, where, where did you throw up? Right Now, it hadn't rained. And so if you throw up somewhere in the playground, there's going to be some evidence, right? And, of course, there was no evidence. And so she, she worked hard to find out if he was telling the truth or not. And all kids experiment with lying. And the ability to lie can actually help you in life. And we don't have to go into all the theoreticals, but I think it's a, it's a decent, decently useful skill to have. So... People in your life, they say, we love you, we care about you, you mean the world to us. We, you know, your mother is like, 
I, I cared about you so more so than the other children who were left to run wild, and I cared about you and kept you out of preschool for longer and kept you home with me, and, and we care about you and we love you and we want the best for you. And it's like, okay, well, I have my doubts, so I'm going to act in a manner that's not obvious, like you're not punching yourself in the face, like something that people are just going to react to, but something a little more subtle. I'm going to act in a manner that's destructive, and I'm going to find out who uh, who actually cares about me, who notices. Like you developing a full-blown addiction. Does anyone notice? Do they care? Or can I just, do they have so little interest in me that I can do these terribly self-destructive things? Make up the most absurd lies. And my personality will change. Do people care about me enough to even have the first freaking clue that I'm lying to their faces? Right, Because, you know, if you know someone... You know, when, when my daughter, everyone who's a parent has this experience, your, your kids experiment with lying. And you know they're lying. Because, <laughs> you know, your kids, you know, when they're being honest, you know when they're lying. And you, you know, you, you find gentle ways to call them on it, right? You don't shame them or humiliate them because, you know, everyone experiments with lying. Everybody experiments with cheating. Everybody experiments with sneaking food. Most kids will take, I, I used to occasionally take a quarter out of my mom's purse to go play a video game. I mean, this is... But, you know, she stole 38 pounds from me. So so do they know you? Do they care about you? Do they have any clue that you're developing an addiction? Because, I mean, you may think that you're brilliantly wonderful at, at fooling your parents, but if your parents are connected with you, it's really tough to fool your parents if they're connected with you, right? Because uh, your parents know you so well, and they know your demeanor, and they know when you're telling the truth, and they know when you're lying. And it may not be perfect, it may not be 100%, but you, if your kid's lying, you only need to, only 50% of the time do you need to be right, right? Because if your kid's lying to you, and then you catch them, like, show me where you threw up in the playground, then that scares your kid into not lying as much, and, you know, you only need to catch them once in a while, right? I mean, if you're a really good criminal, but the police, the police catch you 50% of the time, you're not really a very good criminal, even if they only catch you 10% of the time. So my guess is that at some level, in your soul, in your heart of hearts, you're trying to figure, you're trying to map the lies around you. And the way to map the lies around you, if the lies are about how much people care for you, the way to map the lies around you is to lie and see who notices. So I think you were testing whether your parents were liars. Because liars generally don't confront other liars very much because it's kind of a mutually assured destruction scenario, right? And I think you were trying to figure out how much you were cared for. Is it real? Is it not real? Do other people notice or not notice? Do they care about you much at all? That's my, that's my theory. Tell me how that lands for you. Now, after after years, I think it's not just the parents that I was uh, trying to check if 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 they really care about me in a way. I, you know, with with so many bad experiences after after years, I I cannot say what was the state of mind at that point, but uh, the theory makes sense. Uh, that's for sure. 
Well, and you're right about it being about society as a whole. You're right about it being about society as a whole. You know, I mean, from my own experience, I grew up in a society where children are everything. Children are the future. We love our kids. We love our kids, right? You know, and I was being horribly abused and my mother was institutionalized and nobody lifted a finger, nobody cared, nobody asked, nobody did anything. Right? So that's where you just go, okay, society is just lying. It's just lying as a whole about how much it cares about children. And I, of course, I wasn't the only one. I mean, most, uh, not most. Some of my friends were going through difficult childhoods and nobody did anything about anything. And society doesn't, uh, doesn't care. You know, if, if society cared, right, even if I was this terrible person that some people portray me as, they would say, well, gee, what happened to this kid when he was little that, you know, he turned out to be this terrible person or whatever, and it would be pretty, you know, you'd have a good story behind how I was raised and what happened in society to say, oh, yes, but he turned into a terrible person, but you have to understand that there were these dominoes in his childhood. Right? But they don't do any of that, right? Of course they don't, right? So, and that's why when I had a party and all the neighbors kept calling the cops, it's like, oh, so when I'm being beaten, you don't call the cops, right? But if, if I'm having fun with my friends and it's a little too loud, oh, then you're all calling the cops, right? So it's just, it's society is pretty sad that way. It's, uh, it, and it's very hard to improve society because society is addicted to virtue signaling, to pretending to be good while actually enabling evildoers. And it's really tough. You know, you, you at least are coming and saying to me, like, Steph, I got, a, I got a big problem. It cost me a lot. I, I don't have much of a life. My fiancé's left me. You know, you got a big problem. Society isn't even remotely remotely close to the place where it can say, yeah, we, we, we got a problem because we, we kind of talk about how important children are, but we don't, we, don't, we don't care when they're being abused or harmed or right, mutilated these days, right? So, yeah, I mean, society as a whole is, is not even at the place where there's any inkling that there's a massive problem. In fact, if you point out that there's a massive problem, you're the evil guy, right? That, that's how far society is from from solving things. And I think if, if you're a, a good-hearted person who cares about integrity and, and virtue and honesty, it's kind of tough to wake up in the world and say, this is kind of hell in, in a way, right? Because everybody claims virtue and does the opposite. And if you point out their hypocrisy, they'll call you evil and try to destroy you. Like, that's kind of hell in a way, right? Because then to be virtuous is to be threatened and tortured and, and abused and neglected and ostracized and all of that, right? So to be good, and, and which is supposed to make you happier, to be good and have integrity and say to people, you should do what you say, right? That's basic integrity, right? If, if I say children should be treated well, then you should treat children well. <laughs> I mean, obviously, right? That's, that's kind of important, right? If you say going to church is essential for virtue and I want to be virtuous, you should go to church. And so when people go to society and say, well, you all say that you care so much about children, but you exploit them for money, the national debt, you, you beat them, you genitally mutilate them, a lot of the males particularly, of course, at birth, you put them in these terrible schools, you lie to them about the virtue of their society, and then when the children complain, you drug them <laughs> for, for not, like when the children are not happy, particularly the boys, and they're bored in gynocentric schools, you, you drug them. You, so we could go on and on, but 
you, you say that children are very important and you do anything for your kids and children of the future, but you, you treat them worse than you would treat serfs or livestock. I mean, you don't put livestock on antidepressants for being unhappy about being chained to a, in, a, uh, in a pen. So my guess is, and again, I'm not trying to put my worldview on yours, but my guess is if you listen to the show, I assume that you care about integrity and honesty and virtue and consistency and the good treatment of children. And society treats children like absolute trash as, for the most part, actually worse than trash because at least trash you just throw out and ignore. They exploit their children. And when you start to point that out in society... Now, society doesn't have a defense, right? They can't say, well, no, we never said we care about children because, of course, everyone's like, oh, I would do anything for my children. I care so much about my children, blah, blah, blah. And when you point out that how they act is often in direct opposition to the virtues they claim, then, well, they'll nail you to a tree, right? So... I'm, again, I'm not trying to say your experience is my experience, but I think this is a very common experience for people as a whole to, to wake up and say, this, this could all be self-serving bullshit. Like society could all be self-serving bullshit. It could all be about the pretense of virtue and feeling good about feeling good, but not actually being good. In fact, if you say to people, you should practice the virtues you preach, they attack you as evil. And I think that, I mean, this is very common. I like Poland, but it's common in Poland just as it is everywhere across the world. And of course, Christians have an answer for this, which is original sin and the devil, but with secular people, it just comes down to rank moral hypocrisy. So I, I think if you're into this kind of show, if you were just some stranger on the street, right, we'd have a different approach. And again, your experience matters infinitely more than my theories, but I would imagine that you have some suspicion deep down that society is largely self-serving bullshit, and then you, you're going through this empirical test, right? I'm, I'm one giant empirical test, right? I got into the most trouble for standing up for children and saying, well, if you were abused as a child, you don't automatically have to spend time with unrepentant abusers as, adult, as an adult, right? Perfectly valid, perfectly morally defensible, absolutely way more defensible than a woman leaving an abusive husband because she chose him in the first place. You don't choose your parents. And so when you say to people, you should live by the values you preach, you should practice what you preach, they want to run you out of town on fire. And that's the reality of, of the world that we live in. And you know, people wrote about me on a bunch of different continents and it was all the same, right? So this is not just like one mean guy somewhere in a small town. This is, and people consumed it and, right, bought the newspapers and there weren't letters to the editor saying, well, no, this is unreasonable, right? So, yeah, I mean, the world is to a large degree a collusion of people absolutely lying to themselves about how virtuous they are and attacking anyone who points out the lie. That's just the way the world is. And, of course, we're hoping to improve it and, the world's still better than it used to be, but it's got a hell of a long way to go, and it's not even at the point of admitting an issue. So my, my theory around this kind of addiction is you're falling and you're falling and you're falling, and you're waiting for someone to catch you. You're waiting for somebody to care about you enough to catch you, 
to get to the root of the issue, to ask you how you're doing, to figure out what's going on. Not just to condemn you or roll their eyes at you or get mad at you for falling back into your bad habits or anything like that, but to simply sort of say, okay, well, what's really at the root of this? Why would you do something that's self-destructive? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, I think you're waiting for someone to notice and catch you. Someone who claims to love you is going to notice and do something really deep and meaningful and important to try and catch you. And I think you've spent 16 years falling. Your falling could drive a car. And I think that you're hoping to bounce today, right? Someone's going to notice and try and catch you, if that makes any sense. It does, it does. I'm just thinking of... Uh, because I have the... What's it called? My my pattern now, my my theme uh, with the relations is that I'm extra uh, engaging. Uh, I'm I'm engaged in some person, and I I'm really lonely, which means uh, it was only the fiance that was close to me. No friends. Everything spread out. Okay, so the, so one more. Sorry to interrupt. One way we can test the theory is if you can tell me about your relationship with the girl, um, the, your, your fiancé. So how did you meet and how did the relationship go and how long have you been going out and then what happened when you relapsed? Uh, uh, we met on the car sharing. And I even... Uh, I'm sorry, on the what? Car sharing. Uh, if oh. you... Well, car uh, I don't sharing? know. Car sharing. I don't know. Oh, car how sharing. Sorry, it. sorry. My my bad earphone. Sorry. Car sharing. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, with the previous uh, relationship, uh, I went to the other town. Actually, I met the girl on the uh, on the internet, and I was how to call it. <laughs> I I fall I fall in 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 love. Yeah, I I did I did, but. Uh, the thing is, I uh, I went to the town that I didn't know anyone. I was trying to get into the society. I couldn't. Uh, that fold, uh, the the whole relationship took uh, three and a half year. I I was uh, really honestly, publicly saying many things that uh, I believe that if the couple is together three years and there is no engagement, uh, uh, there is no uh not enough engagement uh, there is no uh proposal there's something wrong with the uh, with the relation and i was saying that in front of my ex-girlfriend at the moment and it didn't happen which means there was something wrong for sure so uh, at the end of that relationship my parents proposed me that they can buy uh apartment in there so we don't have to rent it so they did and two months later uh, my relation was broken and i was going to rent uh, rent this flat to someone else uh, half a year later probably and i, I started the therapy at the moment oh, sorry so you sorry i just want to make, i'm just trying to piece this together a little bit so you were with the girl for three years. There was no proposal. Your parents said, we'll basically buy you an apartment. Uh, 
and then you move in oh. with the girl, and then two months later you've broken up. Is that right? Yes, yes, because I couldn't. Uh, I had some um, limitation in my mind. I I was uh, told to uh, start uh, like a business like my dad does, and I never wanted that. Well, hang on, hang on. So, do you know why your girlfriend broke up with you two months after you moved into the place provided by your parents? Uh, well, it was a gambling as well, but not not just not just not just that. Uh, she met someone uh, in the same time. No, I know that, but you know why she was looking for someone? Um, probably because I didn't propose. Uh, she didn't feel no. confident. No, because you hadn't proposed for over three years, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, so uh, it happened. It happened when you moved into Daddy's apartment, right? I didn't. Pro well, yes, yes. Uh, okay, just, so uh, she, it happened because she lost respect for you because you weren't out there earning your own apartment but just taking daddy's apartment like women need to see you succeed they need to see you out there battling in the world they need to see you winning resources not just being handed things because she needs to see you as a man but when daddy gives you things she can only see you as a son and a child Stefan, I know, I know. Uh, I have that problem and issue uh, even now. It was the, the story that I'm telling you is like five years ago. I have the same problem now. I know. I'm just trying to give you some cause and effect potentially. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the, it wasn't a gift. Uh, we agreed for the market rule uh, loan with the apartment because I was hearing so much during my life that, you know, I own something to my to my parents i'm that uh, they deserve respectful uh, res respect from me because uh i have easier life because of them so i i propose them that okay if you can help me with that and i don't have to go to the bank uh, for the loan uh, let's make a deal with the loan to yourself with the market interest or something like that but i mean okay Hey, I'm. I'm just. I just wanted to. So it wasn't it a straight up gift. Yeah, you had to. You had to. No, earn it no, no. It wasn't. I'm not. I'm not the owner of the apartment. Right. Was, okay. Got it. It was just the. It was my propo uh, My proposition to just not to have a gift. I didn't want to have a gift, so uh, they would kind of uh, uh, put a leap a loop on me. You know, with with. Yes, but, but, okay, how did you, your girlfriend at the time, this is sort of five years ago, I get it, your girlfriend at the time, how did she get along with your parents? Uh, well, she was fine, but she wasn't, uh, hmm. no, they, they, they really liked her. They, there was nothing uh, against her. Maybe they didn't. No, 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 uh, I, that's not what I asked. <laughs> I didn't ask. Oh, I didn't ask how whether they liked her. I asked how she got along with them. Did she like them? Mm, yes, uh, unless they were fighting, which happened a lot, which uh, also made uh, my phone uh, red from calls uh, from them. Okay, so so I appreciate the correction about the gift, but if you get involved in a business arrangement with your parents, it means they're going to be even more involved. In your life with her and if that's a problem for her she's not gonna like that yes and I didn't like that as well which means I didn't start that business at all I was just uh, I was 
was closed uh, myself. I, how you call it? I was getting like a, mm, into the corner of the room with, with no hope, with no, I didn't want that. I didn't want to do what they, what they proposed me. You know, I didn't want to do the same business as, as my dad uh, did. I had a very negative uh, emotions about, because he's a serviceman of uh, uh, air conditioners. Uh, yeah, HVAC. Now, did, yeah. Uh, sorry, did, what were you making money at in your 20s? Uh, when, when I finished high school, I went on a trip, uh, not knowing anything, anyone, uh, and where I'm actually going, and went to Norway by hitchhiking. And I started to uh, do some shitty jobs at the beginning, but at the end, because my plan was to make money on my studies and uh, do it by my own, not getting it from my parents. And they were very often offering me, we will give you whatever you want, just to go to study, do uh, the degree, uh, some good one, so you will have your future fixed. Uh, but I didn't want that, so I, I went. Uh, I made a year off and went to to Norway, and I and I started to paint houses uh, after after a while. And it happened uh, well. I I was doing a good job. I was always organized, uh, managing uh, right way, and I I was delivering everything what I what I uh, what I was. Uh, Sorry, agreed. you said uh, painting houses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, got it. I've, I've done that, by the way. Yeah, it's not, not the worst job in the world, but go on. Uh, I started with the worst uh, at the beginning on the car washes. Well, uh, really underpaid and, and with a really bad uh, condition. But anyway, I uh, find out that, uh, that I can paint houses. And before studies, I applied for uh, getting to the university. Uh, they wanted me. Uh, I had so much work that I had to get my friends uh, to Norway to help me because I, I couldn't do it on my own. Uh, so yeah, it was quite successful, and I was really proud of myself. And I, you know, get got some uh, power. I got some confidence uh, in myself and my abilities, possibilities. Uh, well. Yeah, and I came back uh, to start study, but there was gambling, which means uh, I was studying something really stupid, I would say, at the moment, because I was studying uh, being a football coach, but uh, I already had all the qualifications. I just wanted to know more, and the studies went, um, happened to be uh, just a place for the students that want the student life and the teachers just to have the teacher's uh, wage. That's that's it. It was really like, I know if, uh, what's the standards now, but I on, on the full-time study, I had 10 hours weekly. I didn't know that, that that's even possible, that you can have so low amount of hours. And I didn't... Ah, I didn't have any uh, any idea better than gambling, you know, in the uh, in the spare time. But why really did you leave the house stage. painting? Why did you leave the house painting business in Norway? Uh, I promised I'm go uh, I will go study. 
I hope that was like the, the obvious answer for my parents, for myself. Uh, at that moment, I I couldn't uh, imagine that I'm not going to have uh, some university degree. Okay, so then you went to go and study football management, which was 10 hours a week and kind of a waste of time, right? Yes, yes. And I quit it uh, before the first uh, exam session, to be honest. So three months, that's, that's it. And I went back to Norway at the moment. Oh, okay. So uh, I think also people in Norway helped me because of my story. I, I told everyone, uh, I, was, I was hitchhiking and that was my way to get the customers, you know, getting into the stranger's car and telling them, hey, um, I just came. Uh, I, I would like to make money on my studies. And, I, and coming back then, I thought I cannot use the same contacts because, well, I was really telling the true story and I don't want to uh, show myself that I, I was cheating or I was, I was lying. I wasn't at the moment. So, uh, so I start from the beginning again uh, from some shitty uh, jobs and, and came back to the, to the painting business and uh, house renovation after, uh, after a few months. Right. And then? And then uh, I, de I developed so well that I brought a few friends to work with me. Uh, I was uh, told to open a company to, to, to give the invoices for, for my customers to, to do it, you know, uh, all legal way. Uh, but there was a gambling still. So uh, I was really keen for all the friends, but not keen to myself in a way. Now, did your girlfriend at the time know you were gambling? And she was not my, I, I didn't have a girlfriend at that time. It was at that time. Okay. That's before you like, met the other woman. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. did your friends, your parents, anybody know or care uh, parents, or notice? Parents knew, uh, I guess, uh, friends knew, but, uh, nobody was really involved so much to, you know, to this kind of a shake me, stop me. Uh, I, I really didn't have any, any single, uh, strong conversation coming from a friend about any problem and they knew i mean your parents sorry your parents knew that you had a gambling problem from your teenage years and did they ever check in and see whether it was still going on yeah they did they uh they were the ones but we had such a bad relation that it wasn't uh i wasn't listening to be honest at the moment so you would just lie to them, I guess, and say, no, I don't have a gambling problem? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, and also, uh, I was earning a lot of money at the moment. I could really, um, I didn't have any debts. I didn't have anything, uh, anyone uh, who was uh, looking after me, you know, with, with any debts. Oh, oh, can oh, you sorry to interrupt? Can you tell me a time in your life where you have felt really loved uh, from from childhood onwards, like really loved, really taken care of, uh, really accepted, and really loved? No, I think it's just the moment. It's it, I cannot tell you that it. it it, it took a long time. I think it's just the moments that I felt loved and um, struggled to think if 
if there was any moment that it wasn't me who was the creator of the whole moment. Well, when you're a child, it comes from outside, right? When you're a child, it almost always it should come from your parents, right? A time when you felt really loved and accepted and treasured by your, by your parents when you were little, let's say. When I was until seven, I guess they, I was the one who was uh, their shining star. Mm, they were really proud of me. and uh, No, 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 no. Being proud of someone is not the same as being loved. Because being proud is something that you have to have some sort of status achievement. You know, my, my mom, when I was a, in grade eight, I was taking... Uh, adult writing classes and, and adult computer science classes. And my mom would brag about this. Oh, he's so smart. He does these adult writing classes, creative writing, and he's taking adult computer science classes and all. But that wasn't me. That was just some accomplishment that she could show off, if that makes sense. And then maybe that was different with your parents. But being proud of someone is not quite the same as loving them. So I know just being proud of me, not, not the other one. Right. So this is sort of a, the second theory that I wanted, and this, was, this would be much faster, but the second theory goes something like this. Why is it that people gamble? Right? So they gamble because they want something for nothing. Right? They, you double your money, right? Now you could say, well, the something is you understand football and that, but you want something for nothing. In other words, you believe that you're owed something, and I think that deep down you are owed something. I mean, you certainly owed love as a child, which means to take pleasure in who you are, not because of what you do or, or some, oh, he's really good at hitting a baseball or he's really good at football or he's really uh, smart, because none of those things are moral things and none of those things are your essence. So taking genuine delight in you as a person, genuine delight in you as a person, and treasuring you as a person, I mean, kids are owed that. That's, that's, that's the price of being a parent. There's lots of great rewards of being a parent, and this is one of them as well. But the price is you owe your children deep love for who they are. Not for just what they do, like some sort of performing monkey, but for who they are. Now, if as a child you felt that you were owed something that you weren't getting then it's kind of possible possible that you might spend your entire life trying to get something for nothing because you were owed something for nothing as a kid, and that something for nothing is, love me for who I am. Don't make me perform. Don't make me have conditions. But take delight in who I am. Take great pleasure in who I am. Love me. And I, I shouldn't have to be out there performing it. Or I shouldn't have to have a great physique or great hair. I shouldn't have to be really funny or witty. I shouldn't have to win a sports prize or an academic prize. Just for who I am. In a relaxed state of non-performance. Children are owed that. Now it could be that one of the reasons you're drawn towards gambling is to avoid grieving what you should have gotten but didn't, and now you're trying to get something for nothing in a sense to make up for what you weren't provided, which is why I asked you 
when you felt loved for who you are. No, it, it makes sense. It, it does. Did your girlfriend... Uh, you know, it's tough because adults can't fix that for us. Girlfriends can't fix it. Countries can't fix it. The army can't fix it. <laughs> Consumption can't fix it. Money can't fix it. Beauty can't fix it. It's just, if we didn't get loved for who we are as a child, there's no fix. There's no fix. There's lots of people who will say, oh, no, 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 here's a fix. You know, just go to the gym. <laughs> you know, make a lot of money. Right? This is the, the Tate thing. Drive a Bugatti and <laughs> be top G. And none of them, it doesn't fix it. None of it fixes it. If you didn't get love as a child, the only fix is to mourn it. Yeah. That's a real shame. It's a real shame. There's a lot of sorrow in that. There's anger in it. For sure, because not being given what you're owed is tough. But everything that you talk about involves a debt of some kind, right? You borrow money from your friends, you end up in money in debt to the bookies, and you owe your girlfriend a proposal after three years, and there's a lot of debt involved. And I think that debt is pretty central, obviously, to gambling addictions. Some addictions pay the debt in terms of, like, future health issues, this you pay the debt actually monetarily. And I think it's because you were owed something that wasn't provided to you. And you're recreating that. You're recreating, trying to get something from nothing and ending up screwed. Because all children reach out for their parents. Reach out, and sometimes you have to reach out so far you fall out of yourself. You reach out for your parents. Please love me. Please connect with me. Please take an interest in me. Please enjoy my existence. Please. Because you're the only people who can give me food, and you're the only people who can give me love. And you keep, with the, with the gambling, you keep reaching out for people to try and get something for nothing, something you don't have to earn, in a sense, and then you keep ending up short. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, doesn't mean I'm certain, obviously, I'm pretty sure there's kind of a pattern with your parents. If you, were to, if, you were, if you don't feel loved, like you said, you couldn't remember a time where you felt genuinely loved by your parents. If you were to say that to, say, your mom or your dad, what would they say, do you think? They would say, how can you say so if we gave you so much? And I'm not saying about uh, money and stuff, but this engagement as my mom were going on with... Uh, Taking care of so much than you know, so much more than, than than the kids, the neighbor kids. How can you say so if we were engaged in your problems? How can you say so if we? Um, right. So if you were to say, "I feel kind of rejected by you," the first thing that they would do is reject you. <laughs> right. Anyway. The first thing they would do is reject you. So you say, I, I don't feel particularly loved, which means that you kind of rejected me or didn't accept who I was or didn't love me for who I are. So if you're honest with your parents about a deficiency you find in the relationship, then the first thing they'll do is reject you and say, how can you say that? You're wrong. I mean, I can't imagine if my daughter came to me and said, I don't feel loved. My first, so then I think my first response would not be to say, oh, you're crazy. 
course, of course you're loved. I mean, look at all that I've done for you. And right. I mean, that it would be like, wow, I'm, I'm really surprised. I'm, uh, I'm upset, of course, but tell me more, right? That would be right? that if you love someone, whatever they say to you, you, you ask for more. There's always more, right? That's why we can have monogamous relationships that last 60 years, right? There's, there's always more, right? So if my daughter said that I don't feel loved. Like wow, I'm I'm really surprised. I'm obviously upset, and I want to fix it. But you know, tell me more. Tell me what. When did you start to feel that? Or what? What? What is that like? Or how do you know? Not not how do you know? Not how do you know? Like I'm challenging her, but like what evidence? Um, and oh, this sounds like I'm asking her for proof. But what is it that do you think gives rise to that feeling? Like what have you seen that gives rise to that feeling? Not to prove her wrong, just so I could understand things from her perspective, right? But if you say, mom and dad, I kind of feel like you've never taken any interest in me in, in a deep, meaningful way. And then they say, oh, you're totally wrong about that. It's like, well, you're just kind of rejecting me again, right? Yeah, but they would say that um, they did. They asked, but the answers they, they, and they got wrong and never... Um, Never made them interest, never made them, they challenged whatever I was answering, actually. Right. So, so now we got to the point where they think that I'm so weird, so unsocial, that I don't fit in their, in their society, in a way. And I, in a way, I agree. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm listening to the point where I disagree. It's like this may not be a. This is a pretty good society to not fit into, isn't it? Yes, yes. Right, but you. You here's what you don't want, right? I mean, maybe this is part of the reason for the call too. Man, my friend, you do not want to end up stuck between these two worlds, right? So there's the the world of illusion, right? This is the cave wall of Plato, right? It's the world of illusion where people. They aren't actually good and virtuous, but they talk endlessly about how good and virtuous they are. And if you challenge them on the difference between their words and their actions, they'll just attack you. And they may, in fact, try to destroy you. So that's the, the world of illusion, right? world of fantasy. And then there's another world, which is the world where people accept that this is the way that most of the world is, not all of it, but most of it. And they try to have as little as possible to do with that asylum called society as a whole and they look for other like-minded souls who know the truth but who also aren't bitter you know black-pilled and just bitter and can't uh, see any future or any hope or any chance for happiness or love you know like refugees from the asylum of the planet don't have to end up alone my concern is that if you are waking up to what i think of as some of the craziness and hypocrisy of society that you'll say well the solution is to be alone. The solution is isolation. That's not the solution. That's not the solution. There is a world of, it's not a huge world, but it's definitely there, of honest people who tell the truth and who understand the dangers of the blue-pilled world and try not to get overly involved in the machinery of the world of illusion. And that you can have a beautiful life. I mean, I say this from a personal experience. I say you can have a beautiful life with people who see the truth. But you can't have much of anything with people who lie for a living or lie for a living as a whole. 
So my concern is you're going to get stuck in between, like you'll feel alienated from the world of illusion, but you won't make it to the world of connection, of truth, integrity, honesty. I stuck in between, but not just about that. I stuck in between of people who can engage, uh, who can be really engaged in someone's life, who can give more than they can get back, and the people who just live their lives. And I have this problem and this pattern even with the relations. I'm, I'm giving a lot. I'm, more than than uh, more, I'm taking care more of the uh, the partner than I'm taking care of myself, and and I'm getting to the point where I really uh, waiting for that that partner to give me that back, and it never happened. Well, but and that's that's I assume that's your relationship with your parents as a whole, right? And if you haven't received love and you haven't grieved that. You can't receive love because it's too painful. It, and, and your parents don't want you. Your parents really don't want you to experience somebody being kind and generous with you because it will highlight what they haven't done. I mean, it's wild, man. Uh, when I finally met someone who was kind and generous to me and really, really cared for me, Every other one of my relationships fell apart. Every other, I mean, and it wasn't the plan, it wasn't the goal, it wasn't, I wasn't plotting this out. It's just the way it, the way it played. It's just the way it played out. You get one real relationships. You know, I mean, if you've lived on a steady diet of plastic fruit your whole life and somebody finally gives you a real banana, you can't really go back to the plastic fruit, <laughs> especially if there's more bananas, right? If you've been eating shit sandwiches your whole life and somebody gives you some nice roast beef and Havarti, like you ain't going back. So what happened with your fiancé when you relapsed? Or was there anything that happened in your life that you think may have triggered a relapse? You said it's sometimes stress-related. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, relapse? I don't uh, I have to translate it. Oh, sorry, no, that's I may have misunderstood. So you were together with your fiancé, your recent... You have your fiancé. Yes. And then... Did you start gambling again, and then the relationship ended? No, not not the first time. So, uh, so just by going and renting out that apartment, I met I met my well, fiance, the only one, the uh, the girl that I that I, that I love, and I I uh, I lost her now. Uh, that's the third third time. Okay, so the... help me understand. So you were together with this fiance, and yes. were you not gambling for part of that relationship? Uh, most of that relationship. Okay, we so yeah, so you I... you weren't or you weren't gambling, and then was there something happened? Do you think that gave you the impulse to start gambling again? Mm. Yes, yes, of course. And what what happened? So... We met when I was starting the first uh, serious therapy, and I was working with my dad and uh, living there. Really, we got uh, really uh, quick together. 
it was mostly because of me, of course. I was, you know, I was pussy beggar. I was, uh, I was really fighting for for her love. She wasn't so uh, into it from the beginning, but I, I was fighting hard, and uh, we got quick together. But I was really uh, not smashed. I, I had a problem with being outside of her. Uh, we rented uh, a flat. Uh, in a city and not where my my parents are living and not where I was working. So we were meeting only on the weekends and uh, we started to get fights with my dad. Uh, she was trying to put me in some pressure with being more uh, involved in the company, which I didn't want again. And uh, so, so after a fight, I came back to uh, to my fiance and uh, made like a, you know uh, whole let's say holiday a week off because the atmosphere was not not possible. And I was trying to uh, to think what I can do to actually break the relation with my dad, uh, the the work relation, uh, to stop working with him. Uh, and I was trying to get in touch with anyone except my fiance. I was trying to uh, call my friends, ex-friends uh, that were living in the city. And during like one week, I was really getting down and down and down. Uh, none of those uh, meetings uh, actually uh, happened. Uh, I also tried to contact the fiance of my uh, ex-fiance's uh, sister. Uh, just to get in touch, to, to build something, you know, and during one week I was, uh, I was dropped down by a few people, uh, feeling really alone and, uh, couldn't, uh, force myself to actually go to any other work in Poland, you know, like from, from ground zero, from, from the bottom. I'm panically. I was panically afraid, and I'm, I think I still have it. But if I go now with my CV that I, that I have at the moment, uh, I have to start from the from the very bottom, and I was so afraid of it, comparing to what I I think I achieved or and I think I had in my history that, uh, that I broke uh, broke inside, and I and I got to gambling. I was gambling like like a week. Uh, getting some loans uh, when I uh, when I lost my money and well I risked everything I had also the the relationship. Uh, it, Sorry, of course, did, your, did you did your fiance know that you had gambled again? Uh, not at the beginning. She uh, she found out at the end. So that's the pattern for. And uh, how long? How long did she did you gamble for before she found out? More than a week. I don't know, ten days, something like that. And how much did you lose? Uh about thirty thousand dollars. And that's uh, obviously like that. a good chunk of your savings. Uh yes, yes, more, well, uh, it was all of my savings and then uh, the loans that I that I got. Uh, in oh, that so with the loans over and above the thirty thousand? 
No, 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 no. It was all uh, all together, like thirty thousand. But let's say that ten out of my savings and twenty in in loans. And that's that's a lot for seven to ten days, right? It is. It is. Right. Oh, I'm not. I'm not rejecting that. That's a lot. I'm. I'm just, no, no, no. I'm. I'm not. I'm not arguing that it is. I'm just pointing it out. I just for myself to sort of adjust. Okay, and then, and so ten of that was your savings, and then you ended up twenty thousand in the hole, right? Yeah. And uh, at that point, uh, you know, like with the last bet, it, and it's always this a pattern for for heavily addict that they are putting all in. So if I lose, which what happened, then I have to confess. I have nowhere to go. Uh, I don't have any other loan loaning options, or I don't know, someone to borrow from. Uh, I couldn't cover it up. It would get out for sure. And I I don't know if it's important for uh, for this knowledge, but my therapy I I didn't finish it. It stopped during pandemic. They they shut it the uh, the office. Okay, so and, and I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to hear that, of course. But let let me just go back to your fiance. So you're having a terrible time. You want to quit your job with your dad, your father, and you're kind of freaking out and panicking. So where's your fiance? Were you guys living together at this time? Was she unavailable? Why wouldn't you talk with her? I think I was talking with her, but she was. Uh, she never understood how how I can react with such a panic uh, with uh, before going to some uh, some other work, you know, uh, with, she didn't understand it at the moment. So, so oh, she on, knew hang that. On, hang on, hang on, sorry. Um, you know, we've been talking almost two hours. I didn't understand your life when we first started talking, but you keep asking questions, right? I don't, like, I don't understand what it means to say she doesn't understand. I mean, doesn't she just keep asking questions until she understands? When we met, she got this news that I'm addict very soon. She didn't understand how big uh, danger is it. That was the first time that that, that touched Yeah, no, sorry, you're not answering. The, we're, we're talking at different places now. So you had some anxiety, severe anxiety about quitting working for your dad and starting your own business, right? Or working for someone else? Yes. Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. I asked, how did your fan, like, why didn't you talk about this with your fiancé? And you said, well, my fiancé doesn't understand why I'm so anxious. Is that right? Yes, that's right. But when you're in a relationship, if you don't understand something, you keep asking until you do understand it. Isn't that how relationships work? Is there something different in Poland? I mean, isn't that you just keep no, no, asking no, no. until you know? No, Stefan, but the being addict is... Um, no, I'm not trying to uh, explain her or myself, but uh, one thing that I learned on the therapy is that I wasn't able to say, help me. I wasn't articulating that. I, I had this pattern even when I was a kid in a school that when... Something was wrong so when I uh, felt uh, pain touched by something. I don't know. Even someone made fun of me. Of me, I was getting into a corner and trying to find out someone who will see me there. 
See, I mean, this me is the, I, I mean this in no way critically because I'm not sure if you're lying to yourself or you're lying to me about this. And I'm not saying this in any way negative. I'm just an observation, right? Because you've been very open in explaining your life to me and you've asked for help. So when you say, well, I couldn't ask for help and I couldn't revenge, it's not true. Now, maybe the difference is I'm listening. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not. And even this, like when I say lying to yourself, lying to me, I don't mean this in any judgmental way at all. It's not a moral. It's just an observation that if you say to the person you're asking for help, I can't ask for help. That's just a false statement by definition, right? It doesn't mean you're, you know, just why couldn't you talk to your fiance? And again, I don't mean this in any accusatory way. But if you're feeling really upset and you have someone who loves you, don't you talk about it with the person who loves you? Now, the upset is not the gambling thing, because the gambling addiction is separate. The gambling addiction came out of, or the gambling acting out, the act of gambling came out of not talking to your fiancé. Because if you had talked to your fiancé, and you had been listened to, and maybe it took three days to have that conversation, where she keeps saying, I'm trying to understand, tell me more, I'm still trying to put it together, tell me more. I want to make sure I figure this out right at the bottom. Keep telling me more. If you'd had that conversation, I consider it impossible that you would have gone and gambled away all of that money. So, what's the issue with talking to your fiancé? Why could that not happen? Yeah, so that, that's the question is why could you not talk to your fiancé? Now, you, you're going to blame yourself, right? And you're going to say, well, I didn't talk to my fiancé because I'm just not good at asking for help. Well, that's just blaming yourself, and that doesn't give you any knowledge. That just gives you self-attack. So, my guess is that you couldn't talk to your fiancé because your fiancé wasn't listening, wasn't asking you questions, wasn't giving you a place where you could talk, that she was just judging you or getting mad or distant or, you know, I don't understand why you're so scared. That's kind of like an insult, right? Like, you have no reason to be so scared. It's like, well, but I am, right? So you can either try and understand me or you can judge me as deficient for being scared, right? So I guess, I guess my basic question is, what was wrong in your relationship? No, maybe that's partly you and partly her, right? but you couldn't talk to your fiancé. Maybe I was afraid of uh, confessing that, that I'm like... Well, no, no. To... See, again, you're just saying you, right? Right. Okay, let me, let me put it to you this way. Why are you not scared to tell these things to me, but you were scared to tell them to your fiancé? I was scared then. I'm not scared anymore. She knows that now. I was... No, but you can't have a fear that's so paralyzing that you're going to risk you. You're going to destroy your entire potential marriage and then just be able to talk it about talk about it easily with me. So my suggestion is... Because look... Okay, how, how long ago did you break up with your fiancé? 
week and a half. A week, week and a half. Okay. So, first of all, it may not be over. Again, I don't know, obviously, but it may not be over. But if you take the whole blame on yourself, oh, I gambled, I broke my word to her, I broke my trust with her, and I wasn't honest, and I, I lost all this money. And like, if you just make it about, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. then I don't think that's an accurate. No, no, Stefan, I would like to add something uh, to the story because that was the first time. But it happened two more times, you know? And I'm not saying that to, to get more blame on myself. I would just, you know... No, no, the see, that, that actually puts more blame on her. Because if, okay. you, if, if she had not figured out what was causing these relapses or what was triggering this gambling... Relapse just means that you returned back to a bad habit. So if she loves you and cares about you and hadn't figured out what caused these, this gambling, she's even more to blame. Or you could say she's even more responsible. I'm, I'm not saying she's not. No, 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 no. No, no, but no, hang on. I'm an empiricist. You haven't said to me anything she did wrong. It was all about you doing things wrong. Yes, but the last time and the time that brought me here, the time that uh, told me, okay, I was, I was trying to, to call Stefan, but now I'm really, you know, broken to pieces and I'm, I, I think I would like to get your view as well. Um, right, right. Uh, why? Why am I doing this? Uh, what's what's wrong with the history that I that I inherited or or actually build up as well? I'm 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 a part of it as well. Uh, that's that happened now. That happened after one and a half year of being sober, coming back again from Norway, not building up any life and. Uh, but you gambled, you gambled because you're angry at her. And by destroying your savings and going into debt and, quote, betraying her trust, you're angry at her. Yes, yes, I, I can give you details of it. I was talking about the, like the third, third part, you know, third time that it happened that I, you know, came back to gambling, which was recently, and where I'm at the end, where I'm standing now. Uh, because it, it started like a month ago, the gambling, but when it really started, I guess it's when I came back again from Norway and this is when I'm complaining about that I don't have my life because I'm always traveling from Poland to Norway, you know, doing, making some money in Norway, coming back in Poland, but nowhere being, uh, installed no, not having really real life either in Norway or in Poland. But yeah, I, I just so I, I came back and I was uh, waiting for uh, for other projects uh, to continue, and it stopped me from again going to some work uh, and trying to install myself where we live together. Okay, but uh, how does that make... Sorry, how, I don't understand. How does that make you angry at her? 
Oh, no. Uh, well, it's. What what happened was that I was two months only helping her. If she was involved in her life, she was involved in her uh, jobs. Uh, but I was just going into the corner of the of the flat corner of the room, you know, without really. Being uh, noticed that I have a huge. Loneliness issue. But I, but I'm lonely. Yeah, we were getting to some uh, community. The new one, the new people. You know, the the chance to change it, the chance to uh, chance chance to, to 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 have something positive in our life, to to have some new friends, make some new friends. And there was even a difference if in what she wanted to say in front of them and what I wanted to say that we have no social life, we have no friends. Uh, I was desperate to make those friends and I didn't, I wasn't afraid of saying hello, I'm I'm like we are lonely, we don't have the social life in here and she was and she was at the moment of uh, no, I don't want to say so. I, uh, I would like to say, yeah, we, you know, let's make some new friends. Being more optimistic, she didn't want to uh, be at the same level of desperateness that I was. If you know what I mean, if you understand what I was. Okay, so you had a different of, difference of opinion on how to approach friendships, right? Mm, yes, but then uh, I was. The difference uh, came, and and I guess that's accurate. That you know she was doing something that at that time I had only her and only being alone in the uh, in a flat. I had nothing to do, waiting for my parents to uh, let me uh, refresh their uh, their house because that was the agreement. And the, my customer that I advised uh, to make a break at some point and don't make uh, some job twice because she was not ready to 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 do it all at once uh, so i was waiting for both of those projects to uh, let me do my work until i will move on and it took okay why <laughs> what is it that was made you angry at your girlfriend i don't understand any of this and how this directly leads to anger with your girlfriend I, well you started to ask me about anger but i'm um, if you, if you weren't angry, sorry, if I said that I thought you were angry at your girlfriend and that's why you destroyed your savings. And you said you, I thought you said you were angry with your girlfriend, so I'm asking what you were angry about. Now, if you weren't or I'm wrong, that's totally fine, but I'm just not sure what we're talking about at the moment. Well, Stefan, I'm, uh, I agree, but on, I wasn't on the same level to straight up say I was angry on her because... Of something and I, I will try to clear it out. I am disappointed that just going down on my mood, just going down on uh, into the corner of the of the room, uh, just being less and less enthusiastic was not enough because I I don't know how how should I. Okay, no, I understand. Myself. So you you were signaling to her that you were upset or you were withdrawn or you weren't saying anything 
and you wanted her to ask you about being upset, right? Yes, and you you told the same thing that you know with the third uh, third uh, comeback to addiction, that's that's what should happen. It, that was my pattern in a way. That right this time. Okay, so so took. okay, so so here's the thing, right? You were owed that by your parents. You were owed that by your parents. Attempting to get your fiancé to do what your parents didn't do is manipulative. You're an adult. You're over 30. If you feel upset... Now, when you were a kid, it wasn't your job to say to your parents, I'm upset, I feel this, I feel that, right? It was your parents' job to know how you felt. And it sounds like they didn't do that. They failed at that job pretty hard. Okay, and that's something to mourn. But expecting your girlfriend or your fiancé to step in and ask you how you're doing and to make up for all of the things that happened to you as a child is asking her to treat you like a child. She's not going to want to do that. She's not going to want to do that. Now, if you ask her to treat you as a child, she might do it, but then she will lose respect for you. What you, as an adult, the, the way you break the patterns of childhood is... You do things that are different. In fact, you do things that are opposite, right? So if, as a child, you expected your parents, and you you were right to expect your parents to figure out how you felt and help you manage and deal with it and all of that, but they didn't do that, then as an adult, expecting other people to do that is asking them to step into your parents to do what your parents did, didn't do, rather, and to treat you like a child. But she's going to experience that as being manipulative, like you're sulking, and she's not going to want to give you what you want because she wants to retain her respect for you as an adult male. As an adult male, if you're upset, what are you supposed to say? I'm upset. Yeah. I'm upset. I'm troubled. I'm bothered by this. I'm bothered by that. I don't know what's going on and all that, right? Like when, when I didn't understand what you were talking about a few minutes ago, did I just start to become non-responsive and not answer you back? No. No, because that would have been really confusing for you, right? Like Steph was really engaged in the conversation and now he's just going, Ugh, or not responding much at all. And then you'd have to sort of sit back and there, okay, well, was it, yeah, maybe it was when I was talking about things and maybe I wasn't as clear. Like, as opposed to me saying, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you repeat it? Or can you tell me how this relates to you being upset with your girlfriend, right? I tell you what's going on for me rather than getting quiet and expecting you to figure out what's going wrong or what's going on with me. Does, does that make sense? Um, yes, it does. Now, if I had been upset with you, and it's not a major thing, right? But if I'd been upset with you and rather than saying, I don't understand what we're talking about or can you be more clear about this or I don't understand how this connects to my question. If I had just gotten quiet and non-responsive, how would you have felt about that? I would try to to dig in, to, to, to ask, to, to clear out uh, the signals that, that, that I don't really understand, don't get to me. And if how I understand, you, okay, so, but, if I understood your sorry, question, sorry, go ahead. you can repeat it again. No, that's fine. So, so you would have tried to figure out what was going on with me, right? 
Yes, yes, to to the point that I really understand it. Right. Now, if I had not been honest about what I was thinking and feeling, but instead had gotten quiet in the hopes that you would keep asking me, would you have respected me more or less if I had taken that approach rather than just being direct and honest? Less. less. Right. I'm always trying to get the, to the bottom when I'm when I'm the when I'm making questions. Right. But if you had had to, if I had just gotten quiet and hadn't been honest and direct about what I was thinking and feeling, and you would have had to sort of chase me down and try and figure things out, you would have lost some respect for me. I think a little, right? Now, what if you had to keep doing that? That every time I got upset, I just got quiet and sulked a little or wasn't communicative and you kept having to do it rather than me just saying what was going on for me. Would would you find that a good thing to go through over and over? Would it get kind of exhausting no, after a while? Of course, of course. If my uh, if my goal would be to have to know exactly what's going on with you, and I wouldn't have that, I will have to fight for it every time. It would be exhausting. Right, and it would be but annoying too, because it's like, why are you making me do all the work? Just tell me what you think and feel. Yes. That's so correct. getting quiet, and I don't want to say sulking or pouting because that's kind of insulting, but getting quiet and kind of hoping that someone's going to ask you what the problem is, is not an adult-to-adult relationship. That's a child-to-adult relationship. Working for your father is a little bit of a child-to-adult relationship. Having the financial arrangement with your father about the apartment well, I know, I understand it's not a direct gift, is not exactly an adult-to-adult relationship because it only works, it, it only really happens because he's your father. So I guess my concern is that you seem to be a little bit locked into trying to get from adults, including your parents, what you didn't get as a child. That you keep trying to reproduce this child-parent relationship in the hope that it's going to heal things that you didn't get as a child. That's my thought. Again, your experience is what matters. Well, this is possible. If it's, uh, I, I told you another pattern of uh, my relations, not exactly with my parents, but with uh, love relations or even the friends that I was trying to, friendships that I was trying to make, that I was always giving more than I could ever get back and then finding it disappointed. Right, Does, right. Is that correlating with the... Well, so that's, that's a child who pours a lot into the parental relationship hoping to get that kind of connection and love back. Let me, let me ask you this. I mean, I had a tough childhood. Who is responsible, as in now I'm an adult, many years an adult, who's responsible for fixing my childhood? Should be parents, but it's it's just you now. It's kind of a trick question. I'm sorry to be sneaky. <laughs> it's kind of a trick question because the answer is no one. 
No one is responsible for fixing my childhood because my childhood cannot be fixed. Because it's past. It's like saying, who is responsible for you not losing $30,000? Well, you have lost the $30,000, right? And, and therefore, it can't be fixed. Now, you can look to the future and learn your lessons. But no one can ever, ever, ever fix my childhood. No one can reach back with the hands of time and give me love, connection, contact, affection when I was a child. Because I'm, I'm 56 years old. My childhood was 40 years ago. By the time I was 16 or 17, I was effectively, I mean, by the time I was 15, I was paying my own bills. But let's just say by the, let's, by the time I was 18 or 20, but as a functional adult, the, the, the door closes. The, 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 the stone ceiling comes down. You know, like at the end of every science fiction or, or usually a fantasy movie, you know, they kill the wizard and then the whole castle comes crumbling down and, and crashes to them. It's all done. Your childhood, right? You're 31 years old. Your childhood is 13 plus years ago. Your child, the, the time between you and your childhood has now hit puberty. No one and nothing can fix your childhood. Trying to fix your childhood is like trying to bring, bring people dead a year back to life. You just waste a lot of time and electricity, I guess, right? You can't fix your childhood. Your fiancé can't fix your childhood. And your parents, your parents cannot fix your childhood. They can't do it. It's absolutely impossible because the past is fixed. You know, if you didn't get enough nutrition as a child and you grew up with a curved spine or you're too short or whatever, who can fix that once you're an adult? No one. Can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. That which cannot be fixed has to be grieved. That which cannot be fixed has to be grieved. And the reason that we still try and get things and people and circumstances to fix our childhood is so we can avoid grieving. Recognizing that it can't be fixed and there's no solution. Like once I understood, can't fix my childhood. Because look, let's say your parents become wonderful tomorrow. Tomorrow, for some reason, they just become wonderful. Do you understand why that doesn't fix your childhood? And in some ways makes it even worse. That will mix up what I'm. No, uh, well, at the beginning, yeah, my childhood is, is fixed, done. That, that doesn't change anything. And then it would be inconsistent to see them change now. Well, so. if they could be wonderful, if they have the capacity to be wonderful, why on earth didn't they do it when you were a child? You know, if, if you and a friend are dying of thirst in the desert, that's pretty terrible. But if just as you die, you see your friend drinking from a big bottle of water he kept hidden from you, that would be even worse because he kind of killed you, right? It means he had water the whole time, he just didn't give any to you. And if your parents could be wonderful, but they wait until you're 31 years old to do it, that's even worse because that meant they could have done it at any time, including the past, and made your childhood way better, but they chose not to. If your parents can't do it, 
if they can't get better, at least you didn't say, well, they they were holding out on me as a kid. They, they could have been nice, but they weren't, right? Or they couldn't have been more loving of it. Doesn't sound your parents are, I mean, they're, they're still fighting ridiculously with each other in their old age and all. So, well, not old age, I guess they had you pretty young, but. So your parents, your parents can't fix your childhood. No one, no power of man, God, or devil can fix a childhood. You can learn from it. You can do better. You can grieve it. But it can't be fixed. The suffering that occurs in childhood can only be grieved by the time you become an adult. Or, you know, mid-teens, and and usually then it's sort of kind of too late, right? It's like a prison guard who becomes nice on a 10-year sentence six months before your release. It's like, well, the point of this, right? Or three days before your release, maybe. So if you are, you know, if, if the sort of hypothesis is correct that you didn't get what you needed as a child, so you want to get what you were owed, and that ties into the gambling and so on, and it ties into the kind of pouting, the sulking, the being upset and hoping other people will notice. If other people notice, it doesn't fix anything. So if your girlfriend says, oh, he's rolling his he's he's being quiet again, now I have to sit down for an hour and try and figure out what's going on. She's, you're saying, okay, you be mommy, you be daddy. And if she's willing to do that, your relationship won't work because now she has to be your mommy and your daddy, which means she can't respect you as an adult male. So even if you were to get what you want in the moment and she asks for an hour to figure out what's going on with you, it doesn't, your relationship is still screwed. Because either she doesn't want to play that game with you, in which case you feel resentful and, and hurt and, and she doesn't care about you and all that, or she does play that game with you, in which case she's reinforcing bad habits and she loses her respect for you. And then she either dumps you or sleeps with another guy or whatever, right? So this is trying to get people to fix our childhoods is really how childhood never ends if you have a bad childhood. Your bad childhood ends the moment you realize it's unfixable. It's unsalvageable. I mean, you can raise the Titanic, but you cannot fix a broken childhood. All you can do is mourn from it and learn from it. You didn't get what you needed as a child, and for that I'm incredibly sorry. I really am. It's terrible. And it's no one's job to fix it. Not a therapist, not me, not you, because that's an impossible job. The moment you give someone that job, they will fail, and you will both end up resenting each other. And that's why I say, if it's only a week or ten days that your fiancé and you broke up, What would it be like if you went back to her and said, you know what, I was being kind of manipulative. I was kind of sitting in a corner. I was hoping that you were going to ask me all these things. That is not the mark of an adult male or an adult female, for that matter. It's my job to tell you what's going on for me. right? Because the way it plays out is I'm upset. I expect you to make it all better. You don't make it all better. I get angry. I go gamble and blow her savings. You get mad, break up with me. And my parents win. And my childhood wins. And 
the disaster of my early life wins. On the other hand, what if I'm upset about something? I say to you, I'm really upset about something. Here's what I need. You listen, we talk. I don't gamble. We get married and have kids. And I'm sorry for putting you in the position of trying to chase me around, which is what my parents should have done and didn't. It's not your job to do what my parents didn't. And you can't anyway. It's impossible. So I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry for putting you in that position, putting you in that situation. It was wrong. Absolutely wrong. And as soon as I accept that my childhood can't be fixed, it can be only grieved and learned from, I won't need to gamble anymore because I won't be out there expecting the world to give me something for nothing, which my parents should have done when I was a kid, a baby, a toddler, and didn't. And I'll stop letting assholes exploit my bad childhood for profit. Childhood's end is the moment you realize nothing can be changed about it. Nothing can be changed about it. Trying to change a bad childhood is like trying to yell at people in a horror movie to make different decisions. The movie's already made, man. <laughs> the script's gone. Uh, the script's been written. Everyone's acted in it. They've all gone under other projects. It's like screaming at those three guys in Jaws, don't go out on that boat. <laughs> the movie was made in the 70s. Can't change it. It is what it is. Can't be fixed. Who's responsible for fixing your childhood? No one. Because it can't be done. And again, sorry for the bait and switch, but can't be fixed. It's like saying, who's responsible for bringing an ancient pharaoh back to life? Well, no one. It can't be done. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. If you were to talk to your fiancé, and if you have an understanding as to why you gambled, because I bet you this pattern, the three times you say it happened in your relationship... I bet you this pattern was pretty common that you go through some significant stressor probably to do with your family of origin. You don't get the comfort you feel you need from your fiancé. You get mad. You slip back into gambling. There are big problems. I mean, the people you're really mad at are your parents probably, probably, about your childhood and teachers or extended family relatives, maybe even friends a little, although it's kind of tough because there are kids too when you were at that other school, high school in the other city. But anger is designed to protect us, and right now I think your anger is doing more to harm you than protect you, and that's because it's probably focused on the wrong thing. As long as we think that something can be saved, we don't generally get that mad. The illusion of fixing a bad childhood is one way that we avoid getting mad at the people who harmed us when we were children. Because, well, yeah, it's not so bad. We can fix this, right? We can fix this. We can repair this. We can make it better. So you, you avoid the real anger, but once you accept that it can't be fixed, can't be made better, then you get angry at the right people. and You can then be assertive with the people in your life without expecting them to fulfill a parental role for you, if that makes sense. I'm still having this that I'm expecting someone to get that role. But, mm. I'm sorry, could you just, uh, your audio is a little rough. you just repeat that? I'm, I'm like still uh, expecting someone, someone, it doesn't matter who, 
I'm, I'm just feeling like there was no one, so I'm expecting anyone uh, to get that role, to once guide me the way I was guiding God, or maybe I wasn't guiding, but I was engaged so much in others. Right. Life. You want someone, you want someone to pay you what you, what you're owed. The only people, the only the only money you can be paid in is monopoly money, so to speak, right? Because it's a kid's game. It's a kid's thing. You can't be paid what you were owed as a kid because you're not a kid anymore. I mean, if you weren't taught Japanese as a kid, you can't manipulate anybody into giving you knowledge of Japanese now, like instantaneous knowledge of Japanese. You have to just go and study and learn it. It's going to take years. The past is set in stone. It's concrete. It's a constellation. You can't move a constellation by pushing at the sky. Nobody is going to fix your childhood. Can't be fixed. Doesn't mean that you're broken. Because as long as you're sitting there waiting for someone to fix your childhood or trying to manipulate someone into fixing your childhood, you can't ever really grow up. And I, again, I don't mean this in any insulting way. At all. It's a perfectly understand. I labored under this delusion for years and years and years as well. So I'm, I'm not, I didn't sort of become 18 and go, aha, nobody is going to fix my childhood because it can't be, this is like hard won, bitter, achieved knowledge. So this is very, with all deep humility, that I point this out. Ivan, what if admitting uh, that that is a, that I was in that problems uh, to my fiance would put me in the position of uh, showing myself as not adult? As, as a childish, as a as broken in a way. What no, if but you're do, no, you're you're doing that already. No, you're doing that already by manipulating her by being quiet when you're actually upset. So you're already showing her as as a, you, that you're acting like a child, and children don't do that if they get what they want. But no, if you say, well, that that's going to make me look bad. It's like, well, you already look bad enough that she left you, right? So you, you, A, you don't have anything to lose, and B, when you take ownership for these things and you say, I did wrong, I'm sorry, here's why I did it, and here's how I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen again. Right. So if, you, if this insight is valid, that you were trying to get her to mommy you out of a bad childhood, you say, okay, now I understand why, and I'm going to make an absolute, complete, and ironclad commitment. I'm going to repeat it in the morning, every every morning in the mirror when I brush my teeth, that... If I'm upset, I'm going to say I'm upset and I'm not going to try and get you to mommy me out of a bad childhood. If you take responsibility for that, you apologize. Here's why it happened. Here's why I'm sorry. Here's how it's not going to happen again. Well, that's that's as grown up and a mature thing as anyone can possibly do. We all make mistakes. Can you own up to them and apologize and make restitution and make amends and say how it's not going to happen again? Yeah, you can do that. Of course you can. 
Now, if she's looking for something better than that, then there's nothing better than that. Then she's got unrealistic standards and all that, right? And of course, we don't have to get into her childhood, but I'm sure if you ask her that she was expected to mother somebody with a bad childhood when she was a child, and that's why she's used to doing this with you, and you guys are kind of trapped into that historical stuff, and and that tends to choke the life out of relationships, or it tends to choke, choke the joy out of relationships. Your parents are probably enmeshed in that same stuff as well, so... But no, saying saying to her, I was wrong, uh, and and you know, being honest, saying I didn't really make the connection, and I thought this was how things should be, and you know, but I've learned better, or I understand better, and so let's let's try again. Let's let's try, in a sense, for the first time, without me being manipulative, without you doing what you're doing, but with genuine honesty and connection. Let's uh, let's move forward. I mean, that's that's a pretty. That's a pretty good offer, I think, for someone. It's very good. I think that honesty is, is is there now. I'm just thinking, was it wasn't that a problem during the two months that I was going, you know, in a in a corner, uh, being less and less enthusiastic, less just being afraid and scared of admitting that I'm not as valued, not as good male. I would like to be not as good male as I. Well, you I you just you 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 lack so you lack a commitment to honesty, right? So we we say I'm scared, and and yeah, I understand that you were for sure. But you lied to her because you were upset, and you you withheld it from her. You you lied to her. You always oh, a lie by omission, but the lies by omission are sometimes the worst of all, right? Somebody comes up to you and says two and two make five. You know that they're not telling you the truth. But lies by omission, by the things you're not talking about, that's really hard to figure out and that could be really destructive, really toxic. So you lied to her for a couple of months by withholding what was going on for you emotionally. And you can't expect a relationship to survive a commitment to dishonesty, right? You can say, well, I was scared. It's like, okay, well, I understand that. But the moral description isn't, I was scared. That sounds almost like an excuse. The moral description is, I lied to her repeatedly, consciously. I withheld absolutely essential information from her. I lied to her. I manipulated her. And you can say this stuff without getting mad at yourself, just saying, look, that's what I was doing. That's where I was. Just be honest with it. And I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to, put all of that in the past because I'm doing all of that stuff because of the wounds of my childhood hoping that a cut off limb can regrow no you lose your arm at the elbow it's not going to regrow you know you lose a fingernail it'll regrow but your arm doesn't regrow so I was doing all of these things in the voodoo hope that it would fix my childhood but all it did was ruin my adulthood which is what you'd expect. You can't be a good doctor if you're attempting to resurrect ancient mummies, right? <laughs> because you're just wasting your time and energy. So if you say, if you say to yourself, well, I was scared, well, then the problem is, then the next time you're scared, you feel justified in lying. But if you say, no, I, I lied, then the next time you're tempted to lie, you can say, no, I can tell the truth. But if you say, I did X because I was scared, then your unconscious will simply make you 
scared and then you feel like you can do whatever you want because you're scared, right? You, don't, you can't give yourself that excuse. I mean, you can. It just means that your life will not get better. You don't give yourself the excuse to say, well, I was scared, therefore. It's like, no, no, no. I lied. I lied. I withheld essential information. I manipulated. I pouted. And I'm not going to do that anymore. You, you can't give yourself an, an emotional excuse. You know, I mean, there's no defense in law. I was stressed, and that's why I killed that guy. <laughs> you, you can't. Stress doesn't give you carte blanche to do whatever you want. It doesn't give you free, free pass. And neither does fear. Or neither, that's why we need philosophies, to have a commitment to honesty, regardless of emotional tension. And in fact, we need that. We need that because the emotional tension is very high. And if emotional tension gives us an excuse for bad behavior, then we'll just crank up the emotions and do whatever we want. And right, so but philosophy says, well, you have you have to really aim at doing the right thing. You don't always get there right away, and but you aim at that, and that's your that's what you guide yourself by. Regardless of feelings. And in fact, when the feelings are telling you not to do something, that's when you probably want to do it the most. But if your fiancé understands that you've had this revelation, if it's a revelation for you, that works for you, and that she can rely upon you to tell the truth, then all of the stuff you guys have built together over the last couple of years, I don't see why that all has to be knocked down. Because you didn't understand this aspect of life, which is very tough to understand, and you know it's not part of our common culture at all. Yes, it's because she. Are you guys? Are you still able to be in contact with her? We are. We are. Okay, so good. I, yeah. So I would say my my suggestion would be uh, enough yammering, with, enough listening to me talk on and on. I, I would uh, maybe sit and think about this and and for a bit, and maybe write some stuff down, and and I would I would talk to her. I mean, it's it's only been a week or ten days or whatever. I mean, it seems like there could be something to repair, and even if there isn't, at least. It can make the breakup less ugly or unpleasant or difficult. So um, I would I would talk to her if I were in your shoes. I was just you know from what she says uh, about it's it's the end because uh, she cannot build up the future on someone who's so unsustainable, who's so danger for even for himself not, not well not no I understand it. that and of course if, if that's what she's if she doesn't even want to talk to you or there's no possibility I guess you have to respect that but I think it's worth having the conversation because she also needs to know why she was with you if it didn't work out right so I would definitely have a conversation with her about all of this and and certainly I mean apologize for the things that you have that could have done better and and all of that I, I think it's worth I think it's worth it for that even if it's just what they call a postmortem, which is to figure out why someone died, even if you can't bring it back, but you can't. But that would be, uh, I think that would be a useful approach. Yeah, I will. Will you keep me posted about how it goes? Uh, yes, yes, I'll, yeah, sure. All right, sure, well, sure. listen, I, I appreciate the call today. I'm sorry for the interruption, and uh, I really look forward to hearing how it's going. And if she speaks English and wants to chat, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. Sure, sure. All right. Well, thanks, man. Take care. Have a have a good rest of the well, I guess rest of the evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye.